The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two today, let's say good morning to Tim Hudak, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives. He's now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. We have Mike Schreiner, Ontario Green Party leader, and Mitzi Hunter, former Liberal MPP for Scarborough, also a former mayoral candidate. Uh, Mike, actually, let me start with you because uh, we haven't talked since the Greens doubled their um, seat holdings at Queen's Park, so you must be kind of excited about that. Yeah, I'm very excited to uh, bring Ashlyn Clancy to Queen's Park and just showing growing momentum for the Green Party. And I think she ran a fantastic campaign in Kitchener Centre, especially around addressing the housing affordability crisis. Well, good luck. Now you guys can keep company in old two people caucus meetings. So I guess that's you, you must have been a lonely guy up until now. Well, it's better to actually have a caucus meeting with another person than with myself, so I'm pretty excited about that, John. (laughs) Okay. I'll quit ribbing you. Uh, The Auditor General's report came in yesterday, and there's quite a lot of takeaway from it. But, Mitzi, I'll start with you on this one, and you can go after whichever nugget you found most compelling in the report. There was a lot about health. There was something about the Science Center. Then we got into parallel parking. Yeah, I mean, the Science Center is sort of the you know, the shiny item in the window and, and and we can talk about what the intentions are there and and the way that it's being handled, no consultations, even with, you know, those who are most affected. It just really shows a, an, an atrocious process. But I think what is, what's most concerning to, you know, just people out there is the health issue. The fact is that there aren't enough frontline nurses and and people who provide that hands-on care, particularly in rural communities where access to family doctors and, and you know, medical assistance is so few and far between. And to, to see the pressure on hospitals to the point that they're closing emergency rooms, you know, one even for a whole year, that has to be concerning. And the government has to respond with how are we going to deal with this so that we can you know, recognize and reward those frontline workers so they do come back into the profession. This is a big issue. Tim Hudak, your thoughts? Uh, well, I'm going to put a big red circle around making the driver's test uh, easier, right? They eliminated the three-point turn and parallel parking during COVID, which is, I think, a mysterious decision to begin with. And you're still exempt from that, John. It was a rite of passage when you turned 16. You got your beginners, and then you failed your first driver's exam because you couldn't do the three-point turn. So I think they should bring that back as a safety measure and also you know, make these kids actually do the work. Um, number two on the hospital side, on a bit more serious note, Look, look, hospitals um, are, many of them, some of them older than the province uh, of Ontario. They are incredibly complex. They have labor agreements that uh, you basically, you know, could take two weeks to to move the, the printer. And as a result, they're they're inefficient. The more we can do to have services uh, outside at a primary care level of hospitals, I think they're off to a good start in having pharmacists do more things, empowering nurse practitioners, having more clinics. I, I think that's a solution to relieve pressure on the emergency rooms and hospitals throughout the province. Mike Schreiner, what do you plan to raise in the House after this report? Well, I think there are two key ones for me is throughout the report was really a government that doesn't ask Ontarians or care about what Ontarians think about on a whole range of issues from the Science Center to Ontario Place, the Greenbelt scandal. But I'll have to say, I, I put the big red circle around health care 
200 unplanned emergency department closures, 10 obstetric units closed. This on top of another report that came out this week, 1,199 closures of vital health care services this year alone. We have a crisis in our healthcare system, and it really comes down to staffing. And so I would say to the government, you know, stop the stealth privatization through these um, private staffing agency nurses that are causing huge escalation in costs because those costs are much higher than actually paying full-time permanent nurses, fair wages, better benefits, better working conditions. Um, and I'll have to agree with Tim on the primary care reform. We need more investment in primary care, home and community care, so people can access health care services in their community, take pressure off of hospitals. And John, we have to just look at long-term care for a second as well. The Auditor General said that many of the long-term care homes don't even meet minimum daily care standards. And 74% of long-term care homes across the province do not provide any direct nursing care to residents. That's completely unacceptable. Let's uh, move to the conversation that we've been having in this half hour. One city councillor was here. We took a couple of calls and uh, people were not warm to the idea that Toronto city councillors expense their home security systems. And uh, Tim Hudak, let me start with you on this one. Uh, One caller said, listen, everybody has a home security system. Why should we pay for this? Yeah, I thought a lot about this, John, and I thought back, and I'm, I'm, you know, really fortunate to be here with two uh, provincial colleagues that I serve with, and like Schreiner, congratulations (laughs) on on the big win in Kitchener there, and and, uh, adding another member to your caucus. Um, And and over my time, uh, I did have some threats at the office, the constituency office did threaten to go to my home as, as leader. Uh, had some folks creep around, but John, it turned out they were actually reporters <laughs> trying to track us down. And one went through the garbage at Deb's house before we got married, believe it or not. Maybe that's the protection you need. Um, so I, I, I think this should be on an as-needed basis. I, I don't believe this should be a general benefit. Um, no disrespect to the city councillors. I, I don't know if I could name half of them off the top of, of my head, so I'm not sure they're all going to be targets. The police play a job provincially. There have been times where cabinet ministers and, and leaders uh, do get security protection, particularly in an election campaign. And then there's an on-demand basis. That's the way to handle it here. If there's a city councilor who is targeted, there are incidents at her office or his office, then do so across the board. I'm not going to vote for that. Okay, Mike Schreiner, you're a sitting politician. Is this a legitimate expense? Well, you know, I just don't know the security threats that city councilors have faced. Um, we are seeing rising threats to politicians, and certainly safety has to be a top priority. And so if it's needed, I would say absolutely it's an expense that's well worth it. We don't want people not going into politics and public service if they don't feel like they're going to be safe. Like Tim, most of the threats that have been directed at me have really been directed at my constituency office. So we do have high security there. And, and you know, in some cases, we've even had to issue restraining orders on certain individuals who have just inappropriately, you know, threatened either myself or my staff. I was just looking it up, actually, to see, the, because they've they've cleared for, I think, $2,000 and then as much as $100 a month. Uh, Bell is offering, I think it's $19 a month for home security. So maybe we wouldn't be on the hook for all that much. Mitzi, what do you say? Yeah, I take safety really seriously, um, whether it's at the constituency level, and we've all dealt with that. Um, for me, in the 2018, uh, 20. 
22 campaign, actually, um, I just noticed after, you know, four, this was my fourth election, that the threats were were increasing. You know, there was graffiti on signs that were very um, violent, actually. I had to get my local police unit involved. I consulted with the OPP. And, um, and, and so I just think that we have to make sure that people who put themselves in the, in the public constantly, and it doesn't matter if you know their name, they're known locally, that, um, that their protection is guarded. Um, I had a particular individual recently in the leadership um, uh, for mayor that, you know, really stalked me into into a, a local uh, establishment. And it was the owner and his security that dealt with it. And I actually read and went and hid in the back of, of the store. And um, and so I think that we, we've, we've got to take the safety and not compromise that for, for anyone putting themselves forward in that public eye. It is interesting talking with people in politics who confirm that things have gotten worse in the last few years. And I was saying in the 20 years I've been doing a show in Toronto, the tenor of the nasty texts I get uh, goes up. And I find that people always justify this uh, sort of threatening behavior toward people in the media or people in politics by saying, well, you work for us, which isn't completely true. But listen, let's move to other things. Uh, Pierre Polyev has uh, threatened to introduce all kinds of amendments and uh, conditions into legislation in Ottawa in order to delay the rising of Parliament. Here he is. I've got news for Justin Trudeau. You've ruined Christmas for Canadians. Common sense Conservatives are going to ruin your vacation as well. We are going to put in thousands of amendments at committee and in the House of Commons, forcing all-night, round-the-clock voting to block your $20 billion of inflationary spending and the rest of your economically destructive plans until you agree to our demand to take the tax off farmers, First Nations, and families. You will, no, you will have no rest until the tax is gone. Okay, Mitzi Hunter, is he spot on or is he overplaying his hand? Ooh, this makes for really interesting television. And I this does not affect the everyday Canadian. So, you know, I think that it's going to ruin meetings and other plans of MPPs and cabinet ministers, because when you have this type of round the clock debate and voting, everyone has to take shifts. And uh, and it's going to be really interesting. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? You know, is it the conservatives that, that are going to make this all about, you know, a pocket but cost of living issue or is it the government the liberals that are going to make it about climate change and sticking to that plan we don't know but it's very interesting television so get out your popcorn mike schreiner i think that uh, pierre polyev probably feels the wind at his back right now but i also think with an election not on the horizon until 2025 that he may be overplaying it they may be overplaying it too early in the cycle, but I would say, you know, as an opposition member, um, they have every right as opposition to oppose government and to utilize all the tools they, they have at their disposal to hold government accountable. And quite frankly, you know, the federal government brought this on themselves when they created the exemption on carbon pricing uh, for home heating oil and really centered it around a carve out for Atlantic Canada. They opened this can of worms, and now they're paying the price for it. Okay, Tim Hudak, you've spent enough time in a House of Assembly. Is this fair cricket? 
Uh, 100%. I've been on the, the receiving end, on the government side, and on the, the giving end as, as leader of the opposition. It's a tool that you can't play too often. That way it's more effective than, than when when you actually do play that card. I agree with, uh, with Leader Schreiner uh, there as well. When, when there's an arbitrary decision, John, to exempt one particular fuel for, for blatantly you know, political partisan reasons, the government really opened itself up to this type of tactic. So the fact that we are talking about this, it's headlining and uh, affordability crisis focusing on the impact of the carbon tax. I mean, that's that's great for the conservatives. And secondly, it's a bit of, you know, turnabout is fair play. This bill had um, passed in the in Parliament and then because of some legislative hijinks was was sent back by the Senate to delay it. So I, I think it's very effective to say, hey, we actually passed this bill, exempt the carbon tax on farms. And I think this also brings pressure on the government because people start focusing at the run up to Christmas. It becomes a building story. It may just actually work. Thank you all. Good to have you today. Tim Hudak, Mike Schreiner and Mitzi Hunter. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.